1: This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. With Aaron Goldhammer, I'm Ian Fitzsimmons in for Canty and Carlin. You're on ESPN radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM channel 80, as we are presented by Progressive Insurance and with the first overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft, the Chicago huh. Bears are taking your phone calls and I think <laughs> it's a very, very smart thing to do, Aaron, because They have the number one. I'm a believer in Justin Fields, and I also know that the Texans at number two, the Colts at number four, the obvious teams to me that should be looking to move up slightly to get the quarterback they believe can be their franchise guy. So if I'm the Chicago Bears, I'm doing exactly what Ryan Poles is doing right now, their general manager, and I am taking your calls, and I'm taking whatever is the best offer I can possibly get.
2: Ian, what do we have in common with Ryan Poles today? We're both taking your phone calls at (laughs) 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. What, America, are you willing to give up for the number one pick in the draft? Here's the thing. Kind of a weird year for the first pick, Ian, because there is a great quarterback. I mean, Bryce Young is an excellent, epic college quarterback. But he measures in today at five feet ten and a half.
1: Did he really? Hold on, is
2: that is that official? That is what I saw come up on my social media feed that someone had him. Now I don't think I don't know when the official official measurements happened, but someone I saw something on social media five foot ten and a half. So I just don't know that you could take an under six foot quarterback with the number one pick or have a bidding war. Because that's where this is going, right? These teams that need quarterbacks, there's going to be a bidding war for Bryce Young. And I just don't know how much you can really mortgage your future of your franchise for a quarterback who's under six feet tall.
1: Well, I, I completely disagree with that because I hate measurables. And we'll touch on that coming up in just a second. But the bigger thing here is, is, and I heard this last week from our, our friend Mike Tannenbaum. And I love Mike T. You know, I'm – we spent a lot of time together during the NFL draft as, as he and I have been part of our draft coverage for the last three years. And he threw that at, this out there last week, and I, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around it. And that uh-huh. is, if you're the Bears, you're moving Justin Fields and taking Bryce Young. If, if Ryan Poles does that, and Fields does what I believe he's going to do, and I just take a big step forward over the next couple of years, I think Justin Fields is going to be a star in this league. he uh, just needs- he, he needs weapons around him. he needs an offensive line, yeah, so how do you do that? Acquiring assets right? you trade that number one overall and you surround your quarterback with protection sure. and weapons but if any but if you trade him and he does what a lot of people expect him to do, yeah. You're going to get fired. You're fired. Yes. You are done. You are deep fried like a turkey on Thanksgiving in Louisiana. It
2: is. I totally agree. I totally agree with that. But what I'm wondering, it's one thing to come out and say, we want to trade the number one pick in the draft, right? We're taking your phone calls. It's another to get great value for it. And that's what I'm trying to figure out. Who is the team that's going to give up future number one picks, their whole draft, the Herschel Walker Hall, the Ricky Williams Hall. Who is the team that's really willing to put all that on the table to go get Bryce Young that then the Bears can really reap the benefits of having the number one pick and be able to build around Justin Fields?
1: Well, Tim hasselback has got two teams, and it's the same two that I just mentioned, and he gives you his reasons. Here's Tim Hasselback from SportsCenter earlier today on why the Colts and Texans stand out to him.
2: I think the two teams that stick out to me the most or Houston, who's right behind them at two, and then the Colts uh, at four. And the reason I say that, Jay, is you talk about all those teams in, in the top ten, even to 12, if you will, that are probably in need of a quarterback, would be considering it. And you just think about over the last 30 years, the number one overall pick has only been traded four times. So, like, it's going to take a lot. Right. And the, I, I do think that teams tend to overvalue draft picks right around the draft, but I, like likelihood, just say the Raiders, for example, or even Carolina uh, just in front of them, or excuse me, behind them. Like, you, you're in a scenario where now you're trying to jump these other quarterback-needy teams. I just think it would cost so much.
1: Oh, it would, and there's no doubt. And Carolina was that third team that I was going to throw in there. They're sitting there at nine. You would have to jump ahead of the Colts and the Texans and maybe also the Raiders and all, and, and and able to go and get that number one overall pick, which means uh-huh. price goes up, man. And because they're Ryan Poles and the Bears are going to be, you know, at one, exaggerating what they're being offered from one team to another team. And I think it's going to take, if you, like, like, for instance, Carolina, you're looking yeah. at three first rounders and a sweetener probably in order to move up from nine to one. Okay. It's probably going to take two ones and sweeteners just to go from four to one. Heck, the Texans may even have to give up two first-rounders to go from two to one. I was interested in this Houston thing because,
2: first of all, that division feels like the right place for him to me. I mean, if you come to the AFC North, let's say, hypothetically, or the NFC North, I mean, I don't know that those conditions – like, I'm just trying to – like, has a 5'10 quarterback ever been successful – In a division like that, okay, you want to go play in the AFC South. Maybe that works and you can stay healthy. But if you're Houston, I mean, you really have to negotiate this right because you know the Bears aren't going to draft Bryce Young. So how much are you willing to give to move up the one spot? And how worried are you about the Colts at four or Carolina at nine or another team sliding up? If I'm the Bears, this is the other thing I wanted to say about this. I am not falling all the way down to nine before I make a draft pick here. Because I need so many good players on offense. Yes, on I want. If, if
1: you're giving, if you're getting three ones and a sweetener, you're not, you're not going to move back to nine.
2: I don't want to go down that far. No, because either I have you, to you... draft the best players in this <laughs> Dude, draft I, or I'm is... going to be playing against him. No, I, I want to identify like, okay, I'm going to get Will Anderson. You know, I mean, he might get... be
1: there at nine. And he, he might be there at four, though. Maybe, maybe. But here's the thing. I think you're looking short-sighted. You're just looking at this particular draft. You're trying to build also in next year and the year after around Justin Fields if I'm Ryan Poles. Therefore, a a top 10 pick, I'm good with that because I'm also getting three more first-rounders besides this year alone. So, you know, you're not just looking for this year and just just going back to nine. You're still in the top 10. When
2: you say three ones... Isn't this year's one one of the three ones you're yeah, going to get yeah. this year and this
1: year and two more. And, and that's, two, more. I, that's what it's going to take to go with your Carolina. I don't think from they're going to one I don't think or, they're going to get it. I don't think they're going to get it for
2: Bryce Young. What, what do you think the general perception around the league is about him? Because I, I don't think it's that he's some Andrew Luck slam dunk prospect.
1: Let's touch on that after we get into basketball and a hockey season because that is heating up also. I'll give you my answer on Bryce Young right after you give a little tidbit to the people.
2: Folks, basketball, hockey season's heating up, baseball around the corner. Nothing beats seeing your favorite teams live. Not only does Vivid Seats have great ticket prices, they're also the official ticketing partner of ESPN. And with Vivid Seats rewards, when you buy 10 tickets, you get the 11th for free. Download the app. Visit VividSeats.com today, Vivid Seats. Life happens live. Receive a reward credit equal to the average price of 10 tickets purchased, excluding taxes, fees, and processing costs. See vividseats.com/slash rewards for terms and conditions. And listen,
0: he's undersized, and that's going to be the whole conversation leading up to the draft. Bryce Young has a chance to be a superstar. Bryce Young's accuracy, anticipation, and arm strength is rare. He should be wearing
1: a cape on the field with the things that he's able to do.
0: Young under pressure, escapes to his right. Young throws downfield as Brooks open at the 15, and he waltzes into the end zone. Touchdown, 41-yard touchdown. I think he's a smaller version of Patrick Mahal's.
1: It's high praise from a lot of folks. Mark Kesteshir on the call there on here, right here on ESPN Radio with Aaron Goldhammer. I'm Simmons in 4 Canty and Carlin. Bryce Young. To me, had an exceptional, not just season but career at Alabama this past year. He didn't have a Jalen Waddle. He didn't have a Rugs right. I mean, he, he didn't have you know a Williamson that 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 deep burner that Alabama has had for the longest time. He didn't have any of that. The O line wasn't what we've seen in years past. The running game wasn't what we've seen in years past. And he still had Bama right there in the mix losing two games on the last play of the game, both of those games on the road against top twenty teams. Bryce Young to me, I saw him six times over the last couple of years in person. Yeah. He plays so much bigger. And I can't I'm stunned he measured in at five, ten and a half today. If that number is official, you, you brought that up a people. Yeah, I'm just trying to in. find
2: where I saw that. That could be total fake news that because... I'm just broadcasting for no reason on national
1: radio. So let, let, me, <laughs> let me let me say that first. But he's going to be under six feet, right? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Look, what I'm going to tell you is I think he's shorter. He's more vertically challenged than five ten and a half, in my opinion. I'll send you a picture in a moment of Bryce Young and I on the field after they beat Ole Miss at Ole Miss. I'm I'm not even 6'1". And he's wearing three quarter stud cleats, and he might be five nine and a half. So, and I don't care. I do not care. The dude plays so much bigger, especially when you see him in person. Yeah. Than he does at, okay. well, they list him at six feet, 194. He ain't six feet, does, and I can guarantee you he's not, not 194.
2: Ian to the NFL, though. Like, It's one thing to play bigger than your size. I, I heard that about Johnny Manziel also in the SEC. Well, yeah, but and, Johnny and, and,
1: Manziel was an idiot between the years. This the young man is so mature beyond his years. He is a true leader of men. Hmm. I mean, the man just, he, he just engulfs and absorbs football they manzel and
2: i can't can't argue with the magic i I can't argue with the magic i mean if if they didn't have him how many games would alabama have lost like i'm just trying to think about you know they they lose four games last year yeah easy minimum easy how many games you talked about the games they lost on the last play how many games did they win on the last play of the game this year Uh, so it, it, the, you know, the ability to drive down, and I, I go back, I think the most miraculous one, that the fact that they won that Auburn game, oh my goodness, at the end of last season, at the end of the 2021 season, to me, that is the biggest rabbit that Bryce Young ever pulled out of his hat, going the length of the field in a minute against a defense that had kicked his butt for the first 57 minutes of the game. That was really, really impressive to me. I just don't know. How I can apply that to a guy who's gonna be that small playing in the NFL, it would terrify me to be an NFL GM and put my career on the line for a guy who's five, ten and a half. At least this is from Todd McShay earlier today. That he that he's gonna be five ten and a half and a hundred and ninety five pounds. And Todd McShay said, quote, It would scare me half to death to draft him.
1: Not me. I mean, he was one of the more impressive guys that I've seen in all my years of covering college football as a field analyst and sideline reporter. And Drew Brees was vertically challenged. Russell Wilson was vertically challenged. I mean, you know, Bryce Young has shown that he can win games and carve up defenses in the most dominant conference in all of college football. And measurables to me, I hate them. I can't stand them. I don't give a bleep about hand size. You know, I don't care how fast you run in a straight line. Zach Thomas ran a 5-plus 40. He's going to Canton Right, I mean, and he, and he didn't go in the first round or the second round because he couldn't run a straight sure, line but, very but, but fast. The, the, I don't care about measurables.
2: Height isn't just like a random measurable. Like, there have been very few quarterbacks under six feet tall who've been successful in the history of the NFL. I think, yeah. is it, isn't that safe to say? Isn't that Absolutely.
1: Fair? And here's the difference in today's NFL. It used to be that the NFL dictated to college, college to high school, what style of play you're running. Uh I formation, you know, I mean, you know, one by one. I mean, it's that has changed because now the NFL has had to adapt what college is sending them as college has had to adapt to what high school is sending them and high schools have had to adapt because of seven on seven and what they're sending high schools. So now it, it is completely flipped. And when you're vertically challenged, but you play so much bigger than what Bryce Young measures, I don't care because guess what? That style of football yeah. is it's not you don't need the six four, two hundred and forty pound quarterback. Would huh. you rather have Josh Allen? Yeah. Hell yes. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. a guy like Bryce Young, because of the style of play that is now being sent from colleges to the NFL, you don't have to be that massive human to play the most important position in sports anymore.
2: Let me just counter that by saying that my biggest concern about Bryce Young isn't that he's not tall enough to see over the line of scrimmage or that you can't put an offense in that he'll be able to run. I think he'll be able to do all those things. I'm as worried about the 195 as I am about the 5'10 and a half. I just think that when you play that position and when you try to be a dual threat type of option, and Bryce Young's going to run a little bit, all the quarterbacks do now, you're liable to take hits that are going to knock you out, and you have got to be able to stay healthy. The thing with Burrow and Allen and those guys is that they generally, Jalen Hurts, that they've been able to stay healthy throughout the course and play an entire 17-game season. And my biggest concern is is that, like some of the other smaller guys, that Bryce Young is just going to get hit and hurt. Like Tua. When Tua's healthy, he looks like Steve Young. Uh, I just would worry that he's not going to be able to stay healthy like Tua, which is why I would be the most concerned about Bryce
1: Young. And, and that's absolutely legit. But I can tell you this, in the half dozen times I've seen him in person on the call of one of his games, I can count on one, one hand how many times that dude took a big hit. His mm-hmm. awareness is sensational. He, he, he's not trying to run over guys. He, he, he slides when he has to. He gets out of bounds when he has to. Go back to the Texas game. I mean, I, that, that's a prime example. It yeah. would be, be Texas on the road. Did, did he fight for extra yards? No, he he was, he has great field awareness. And when he has to get out of bounds, he gets out of bounds. But I'll tell you this, I think the Chicago Bears are smart to shop that number one overall pick, as all reports are right now, that they are doing. And whether it's for a team that likes Will Levis, whether it's for a team that likes Bryce Young, you know, or C.J. Stroud, if I'm the Chicago Bears, I am taking every single phone call and i had one nfl gm tell me this if they believe in justin fields as much as we think they do uh-huh. and nobody gives them what they really want you uh-huh. pull the trigger on a bryce young anyway and then go out right, you want him come get him he goes yeah. is that a risk hell yeah it is <laughs> but now you got him going hey you didn't give me what i wanted earlier now you really have to come get him now i wouldn't do that that'd be insane to me to do it but that is also being talked about amongst Circles as a combine has begun this week.
2: Is there a, a way you think fields would get more than Bryce young and the trade market? Like if I, if I offered Maybe. either the number one Maybe. pick and you, and you got, yeah. Cause I would, the, the other weird factor here is I wonder if there's any way the Lamar Jackson thing comes into the conversation with this bidding war for the number one pick in the draft, like the bears, could use Lamar as the face of their franchise as they're looking to build a new stadium. The Ravens could get off of him and replace him with a quarterback who's just starting over on a brand spanking new rookie contract. That's the one little monkey wrench that I could see getting thrown into this whole thing is, could the Ravens situation with Lamar be added to the mix?
1: And that franchise tag deadline? Eight more days until that bad boy is bye-bye. So, Lamar Jackson, could he be traded? I, I think everything's on the table right now. I don't see that happening in Baltimore. But again, if, if I'm Ryan Poles, GM of the Bears, I'm 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 fielding every offer and considering every single possibility to your point. He's there in Goldhammer, I mean Fitzsimmons. Coming up next, it was a hell of a weekend in the ballet on NBA Hardwood, man. The latest on LeBron's injury, and Mavs head coach Jason Kidd sent a message to his team. Following a collapse against LeBron's Lakers. Find out what he said when you return right here on ESPN Radio.
0: Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive
2: Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight corner pizza and get five dollars off with code eight save. That's the number eight, S A V E. Jet's Pizza, better because it has to be.
1: Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Dame Lillard goes for 71, as you heard right there. Oof. The Western Conference standings are insane. Jason Kidd is livid with his team. LeBron tweaks an ankle. It was a hell of a busy weekend in the ballet. <laughs> yes, with well, Eric hammer on me and Fitzsimmons here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN App Series, XM Channel 80, as we are in for Canty and Carlin, presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together. So you can save on both. Learn more progressive. dot com or one eight hundred progressive. All right, let's start with uh, with Dame. Man, I mean that that was beyond impressive. And you know what? I read an article um, on on Dame Lillard this morning about how yeah he wants that ring. I mean he, he he is he wants it more than maybe anything. But also he wanted to stay loyal to Portland. His legacy there means so much to him, and to be one of that elite member of a fraternity to go for more than seventy yeah. In Portland, I'm yeah. telling you that 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 was just awesome to see. I didn't watch the game live. I saw the highlights. I saw his emotion afterward yeah. beyond impressive, and I love that he's an old school mentality like Kobe like dirk uh-huh. he, he I really believe Aaron that he he will only play for the for Portland. one team, and yeah, that's I, it
2: I agree, and kudos to Portland for not trading him either because I think he means a lot to the community and on the rings thing, I mean. Ian, not every ring is created equal, right? I mean, the two that Kevin Durant won in Golden State, sure, they're shiny and they're on his fingers, but they don't mean the same as the one that Dirk Nowitzki won in Dallas because he spent his entire career there. And so that if Dame, you know, if you asked him, would you rather win three ring hunting for the Lakers and the, you know, Rockets? Joining up Uh, with the super team. Yeah, Yeah. right. I think you'd rather win the one in Portland. Wouldn't you Than win three somewhere else? More rings doesn't necessarily mean a better career or a more special career. Um, On the 71 points, though, isn't 70 the new 60 or the new 50? I mean, this is the second time this year that we've seen a guy go for 70 points. And I'm starting to think that as the game gets more offense heavy, we're going to have a guy go for 80. We're going to have maybe a guy even I don't I don't want to say 100, but I I I think like 85 on the right night for a guy could be in play.
1: I don't disagree with you because it, there's not as much defense being played in the NBA. Charles Barkley, and speaking of Charles Barkley, you'll hear from him coming up on super teams, KD, LeBron, all of that. Charles Barkley, you'll hear from him in about 27 minutes uh, right here on ESPN radio with Aaron Goldhammer on me and Fitzsimmons. But, yeah, because of a lack of D being played and, and the emphasis isn't there anymore, um, at least for most t- teams, then, yeah, you you know the 70 probably is the new 60, uh, where 60 used to be kind of iconic, now – Right. I mean, it's it's seventy. Is that? But I, I love watching Dame do it in a Ripsi to Uni. I really yeah. do, man. Because I mean, that, we've that just is seen rare. it.
2: We've seen it a lot. Like Devin Booker did it. De- Donovan Mitchell did it. So these, you know, now are some names where we're seeing it happen. Not that it's not an impressive feat, but I'm not sure it's on the level of you know Kobe's eighty one or what Wilt did. I'm not sure it belongs in like the historic no. historic conversation.
1: Right, but but it is still. I mean, seventy plus is seventy plus, and it and it was awesome to watch. And then of course, he gets drug tested after the game after hanging seventy one up on the scoreboard. <laughs> Dame Lillard on that very thing. Here he is.
0: What was your reaction when he got drug tested? I mean, honestly, I was like, "Are y'all serious?" Like, I. I did the urine test yesterday, and then they backed it up with the um, the blood draw tonight after the game. That's actually my first time in my career being tested after a game. And then aside from that, they know that I'm scared of needles. So I know I got a lot of tattoos, but when you're doing a blood draw, it's different than it's different than tattoos. But I was, it, it brought me down from from here to the floor, all the way until it was done. And then once I finished it, I was like, all right, you know, I got that out the way. So.
1: Not surprised, Aaron, at all. Not surprised in the least bit. But I can relate. I also, I, uh, I cannot stand needles. Really? Hate them. Can't really? stand them. I've got ink also. It's all family related. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm, I'm good with that part. But he's right, man. Blood draw, totally different. I, every time I have to do it or get, even get a shot, yeah. Nope, got to look away. Just just let me know when it's over. Can't see.
2: it. I, I'm much more like a afraid of heights guy or not good on roller coasters guy. Needles, I just look the other way and I'm fine. Don't they claim that these drug tests are random?
1: Like, aren't they supposed Keyword. to be? Keyword there? <laughs> yeah. Claim. claim. Yeah. Claim? Yeah, yeah right. The DK Metcalf getting, you know... <laughs> getting tested by the NFL after his appearance at the NBA All-Star Weekend Like what are the, what and in, in a fake find. video. It, I mean, come on. The, I know, the, I know.
2: What was Dame Lillard taking? He's been a great scorer his whole life. No what, he, he popped something before that game last night. It was against the Rockets. <laughs> of course you'd go for 71.
1: I I don't have an answer for you, but I love his explanation of how, why, and the are you kidding me? He's going to have around Fitzsimmons in for Canteen Carlin here on ESPN Radio. Then you have LeBron James and the Lakers' 27 point comeback against the Mavericks. Yeah. One, are we surprised? Because the Mavs with Kyrie and Luka ain't going to play a lot of defense. We all know that. But this was over the top. First, LeBron uh, on the latest with his ankle injury and status and how long he might be out. Here's King James.
0: It's been better. Uh, that's for sure, but um, definitely wasn't uh, going to go to the locker room and not finish the game out tonight. Um, just, you know, understood the importance of the game and then the momentum that we had. I felt like we could, you know, steal one after being down. But uh, we monitor the next couple of days, see how it feels and go from there.
1: All right. One, unbelievable comeback. Two, you look at the standings right now. Yeah. The Lakers and all that matters at this time of the year to me is a loss column. I don't care about, you know, the – The game's back five and a half, six and a half. The halves don't matter. Just look at the loss column. And the Lakers right now, game back from Portland. uh, And then also New Orleans, who has a 10th spot. And then Utah, game back. Golden State, a game back. Dallas and the Clippers, only two games back in the loss column. All the way to Phoenix, from 12 to Uh 4, is a three-game difference. That's it. You're going to tell me that one didn't mean a ton for both those teams, the Mavericks and the Lakers last night, if you don't think it's just one game in, in 82, you're nuts. That one was a hell of a lot bigger because it was two for one, Lakers climbing up on a team that holds a six spot right now, right, only two back from the Mavericks in the lost call.
2: And it also felt to me, Ian, I don't know if you thought this, like it was a real momentum game. You know, sometimes in the NBA season, there are these games that can either send you on a 10-game winning streak or send you on a 10-game losing streak. The vibe around the Mavericks with Cuban looking like someone just shot his dog after the game and the whole energy in the arena led me to believe, and and Jason Kidd's comments afterwards, which I know we'll get to in just a second, led me to believe they're really a team on the decline. And I can't believe we've spent so much time talking about the Lakers this year, and they're not going to win the title. But I will say this, the playoffs are going to be more interesting with them in, and I do think now... Assuming that they can stay healthy, which is always the biggest thing, because one guy's played 20 years and the other guy's nickname is Street Clothes. But if they can stay healthy enough, I think they will make the playoffs, which will be a, you know, a bit of an accomplishment actually for where they started the season.
1: I agree with you. The, the playoffs are. Feel bigger, grander, I guess, for lack of a better term, when the Lakers and a guy like LeBron are in compared to them being out. That's the, that's the brand of the individual and the team. Now, as far as the Mavericks go, oh, you you blow a 27-point lead, and a guy like J Kidd, who, who's got a ring, was an elite player, heck of a coach. Man, this dude was a, a, about as angry as it gets. Here's the head coach of the Mavs after that game.
0: We have to grow up if we want to win a championship. There's no young team that's ever won a championship, uh, mentally or physically. And so
2: um, just to see how we could respond, um, again, two and a half quarters, we're playing at a high level on both ends, uh, offensively and defensively. But what the Lakers just showed us is that it's not, it's not a race. It's not the rabbit who wins. It's the turtle. And
0: and they, they work the game. And, and that's where we have to get to. We have to get better at working the game, and uh, we will.
1: I want to say his team needs to grow up and mature. Don't disagree. But what were you expecting when you see Kyrie coming yeah, in? Right. Missing his, what, fourth game of the year in Denver with, quote, back issues. And he's having a blast out in Salt Lake at All-Star Weekend. Then after that game last night when you blow a 27-point lead, is he furious? Is he livid? Is he going into his own locker room? No, he's, he's cutting it up with LeBron and the boys who just come in, came in and kicked his butt.
2: It, it almost looked like he plays for the Lakers already because we all know that's where he's going this offseason. Um, I also think Luca showed some immaturity with the way that fourth quarter was handled, and I think my belief is the kid was calling him out a little bit too. My other question Absolutely. about about this, and Ian, I think you're really it would be an expert in this topic. The 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 allegory says that the tortoise beats the hare, but I'm sorry, if we were to set up a race live on ESPN <laughs> between a bunny and a turtle. The bunny would kick the turtle's butt all over the place, would he not?
1: Uh, the answer to that question is yes, and that's like saying you know I, I'm uh, that's like saying I could beat Dominic Foxworth in, 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 a, in a in a forty yard dash, right. ain't happening. I'm <laughs> I mean, still at the starting line when he's finishing and going, dude. Are you gonna you gonna you gonna try and compete or what? So yes, uh, how did how did yeah, we miss yeah, out on this uh,
2: pandemic yeah. programming at ESPN? Imagine sure. like a Sunday night eight p.m. turtle versus rabbit. Race. Rating,
1: ratings grabber right there. We got, a, we got a quarterback move in the National Football League and spring training, Major League Baseball. Man, it looks so different, and I'm actually excited for the first time in a long time when it comes to Major League Baseball. Details when you return right here on ESPN Radio.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. In just a moment, Max Scherzer explains to you why he believes pitchers now have a tremendous advantage over hitters with some of the new rules in Major League Baseball. With Aaron Goldhammer on me and Fitzsimmons, this is ESPN Radio. Uh, we are in for Canty and Carlin. And, Aaron, uh, quick news item. I don't know how, a couple of years ago, this would have been massive. Today, it's a mention. Carson Wentz has been officially released from the Washington Commanders per Adam Schefter. Okay. Are you surprised by that? Carson Wentz now looking for I mean, where, where, another gig?
2: What does his next stop look like? Back, back up somewhere? Is he going to be with the – which XFL team is going to be taking a run at Carson Wentz in the next five minutes? Uh, I'll, I'll say this about Carson. He has done a great job of getting coaches fired the last couple of years. He got Doug Peterson fired in Philly, right? He got Frank Reich ultimately fired in Indianapolis for taking a chance on him. And then he got Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator in Washington, fired. So, to to get three coaches, two head coaches and a coordinator fired, that is uh, Hall of Fame-level coach killer Carson Wentz.
1: Two head coaches, a coordinator, and a partridge in a pear tree, right? All right there, man from Carson Wentz. So, he's on the street, and uh, there you have it. Uh, so, again, not not very surprised. I am surprised as to how invested I have already become in baseball, I used to love baseball. I grew up a Cubs fan, you know, with Mark Grace on first, Ryan Sandberg on se- on second, Sean Dunstan at short, you know, depending on the year, Ron, say, you know, uh, third possibly a Steve Bouchel. I mean, I look, I, I I love my Cubbies, Jody Reed behind the plate, the shift and the slow play and games taking three hours and forty minutes. I couldn't do it. I could especially that stinking shift. I hated it. Well, now. Spring training games on average, Aaron, are down 23 minutes That's in amazing. large part because of the new rules when it comes to pitchers. Your first impression of this new world of Major League Baseball so far we're watching right now in spring training.
2: So it's different, and some of the new rules I really like, like the pitch clock, and some of the rules I'm a little dubious on, like the you can't throw to first. Like I just grew up – the The mind game between the pitcher and the runner. Anyway, I think it's going to take us all a little bit of time to get used to because they're changing a lot of things, Ian, all at once. The pitch clock, though, is the biggest one. And I was so sick of Sunday night baseball games on ESPN between the Yankees and the Red Sox. It'd be a nine-inning game taking five hours and 27 (laughs) minutes to play with 34 gajillion pitching changes and... It's called entertainment, right? It's got to be entertaining, and it's got to appeal to kids in the calendar year of 2023. And I think this is a revolutionary change that is going to get baseball some significant buzz. And I'll tell you this. the Last last point I'll, I'll make on it. I have two young kids, right? And I know you have kids too, Ian. I am much more likely to take my four-year-old to a baseball game with the pitch clock than if I was worried the thing was going to last for three and a half hours.
1: Yeah, and look, some pitchers were worried about how it would upset their rhythm. Not Max Scherzer. Starting pitcher, Mets, one of the best of the last decade and a half to do it. He loves these new rules changes. Here he is.
0: I mean, we've known this has been coming for a while, so kind of knew what this was going to look like and knew, you know, seeing how how this is going to be implemented and really the power that the pitcher has now. I mean, I can
1: completely dictate pace. I mean, the rule change of the hitter only having one time out is a, <laughs> changes the complete dynamic of the you know, of the hitter and pitcher, uh, you know, dynamic. So, um, yeah, I love it. And he went on to say, "I might throw it in eight seconds. I might. It might take me the full twenty. You don't know as a hitter. It's the mind game." Aaron Judge on the other side says he likes it because now pitchers might become fatigued phenomenal phenomenal
2: but but there's a chance you just let the clock expire if you're too tired and take a free ball just to kind of get you a little (laughs) bit more rest right i mean i guess those are those are the elements of where strategy is going to play into this now what i have seen i agree with max scherzer everyone's calling it a pitch clock really it's a hitter's clock
1: it is and it's going to be great for the game because again 23 minutes shaved off It's a beautiful thing on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin Podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.